2: It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
1: Both sides had really reached a breaking point by the time Friday's game against the Kings came around. Jimmy Butler was tired of playing all those minutes while he was trying to get traded, and so he basically told the Timberwolves that um, he was done playing for them after the game on Friday. Uh, The Wolves had had some conversations internally about shutting him down until they could find a trade because they were concerned about sort of the precedent that this was setting, and so, um, you know, it's just been an incredible mess from start to finish, and I'm just glad it's finally over, and I think there's a lot of people who are glad it's finally over.
2: That was John Krasinski from The Athletic earlier on this show with you guys. We also had a live Raised by Wolves with Manny Hill, Dane Moore, and Danny Cunningham. You can find the emergency Raised by Wolves from the weekend, and then today, sort of the whew, Everyone's Caught Their Breaths episode that we had on 1500 ESPN. You can find all that on 1500ESPN.com and anywhere you would find podcasts. So, can I just give you my take on this, and then you can sure, go and ahead. tell me what you think. Yeah, uh, Glenn Perkins in about 10 minutes, by the way. So... In a vacuum, just in a vacuum, Robert Covington and Dario Saric, mm-hmm. two good players. Covington's 27, 28, somewhere in there. Uh, Saric is in his early 20s, 23. 24, I think. 24. Mm-hmm. But like a very workable age and fits well with Karl-Anthony Towns in terms of like, okay, a couple guys that you can put together, a couple big guys. I like those two players. I don't know if I love those two players, but I like those two players. But when you widen out from the vacuum that this trade was not done in and you start to add context, it is so fireable that it got to this point that not only did you turn down probably a a better overall player from the Miami Heat a few weeks ago because you wanted to get into a bidding war and you you essentially overplayed your hand. Josh Richardson is a better player, in my mind, uh, than Saric or Covington. And by the way, he's averaging like 20 points a game and shooting three pointers for the heat. And he was on the table a few weeks ago. But Tom Thibodeau thought, and there's a Woj piece you can find summarized on 1500ESPN.com that basically says Tom Thibodeau tried to, even though this was just a bunch of brush fires all over the place, tried to get everything to get coddled together. How do you not go back to May even when Jimmy Butler for the first time said, yeah, I don't want to play here anymore. I know." not you Tom Thibodeau it's more the other guys Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins I don't want to play here anymore how do you not go back to that point and ask okay if if a forward thinking general manager slash coach combo with the next five years in mind for the Timberwolves and with Carl Anthony Towns as the centerpiece in mind yeah, how do you not go back and think what could they have gotten if they had given this more runway and it wasn't playing out publicly the way that it was and Jimmy Butler if it's all true what he's saying didn't want it to play out as publicly back in May, but he essentially had no choice in his mind but to make this a, f- a fiasco and a circus.
0: The uh, the play-by-play that Johnny Kay and Shams did basically leaves you, if you're Glenn Taylor, with no choice but to have fired Tibbs by 7 p.m. Saturday night. And here's a very simple r- rule of thumb in life when it comes to situations like this. When we are right every step of the way, and we have been, there's nothing like from wrong your about. couch. basically. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. when when Manny and Phil and Judd are right every step of the way to continue to employ the incompetent employee who did this all wrong
2: is disgraceful and th- not because we're geniuses no no because it's just but every su- obviously but written on the wall every mm-hmm.
0: everything that we said we thought was going on or that appeared to be turned out to be right and listen if you're glenn taylor it's this simple you were lied to your employee tibbs in this case didn't come to you and say you know that superstar guy that I got got for us a year ago and I thought was going to be my guy and be great for a long time? He desperately wants out. He didn't do it. He was like the kid who broke the lamp and then tried to glue it back together and thought, this will work, this will work, this will work. Only problem is the lamp fell apart. It's just, it's <laughs> it's just baffling but, to but me. Forget, it's so baffling. But forget, but forget insubordination, okay? Let's put that aside. We are talking about incompetency. He's incompetent. He can't hold this job. And for him, once the Butler trade was done, step two of that press release is Tibbs. He has to be fired. And and it's going to happen. My question is, why is it going to to take time? Write the check. You made a mistake. Write the check. Make him go away and get somebody in here who can run this franchise in a professional way. It's been run unprofessionally now for
2: months. It's unnecessarily a lost year. It didn't have to be a lost year. It could... By taking this into the season, you've turned it into a lost year. You you could have you could have had if you deemed Tom Thibodeau unfit back in May or June to pull the trigger on the trade that needed to be that needed to happen. You could have you're going to swallow this money anyways. Like okay, so let let's say you pay him for the rest of this year. Does it make you feel better if you're Glenn Taylor? Oh man, well we at least we got one more year of value out of Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, well he alienated the most important player in the franchise, Carl Anthony Towns, and created strife in a locker room that doesn't need it. I just don't really understand why this had to be a lost year. Okay, the writing was on the wall months ago. We started talking, again, not because we're geniuses. We looked at the, just from the outside looking in and said, without even knowing that Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler were on non-speaking terms. We just said, I don't know, Jimmy Butler... He's injured all the time. He's got one more year left in his contract. You're not going to beat the Warriors. And if you're not 100% sure he's coming back, you should trade him. Yep. You should trade him. Yep. And so by not trading him, now you're going to be riding this thing out with a lame duck coach. You wind up getting 50 cents on the dollar compared to what you probably could have gotten back in May and June. Mm -hmm. And your star player is sitting here twisting in the wind, waiting for a coach to empower him and put players in a system around him that make him better. And I will give you another strike
0: against Tibbs. He has no ability to judge character. Because when they got Butler, we all thought, this is going to be fantastic. Butler's going to be a conduit between the coach and the players, and he's going to get to Andrew, and he's going to get to Cat. Tibbs was the only guy that really knew Butler. Butler turned out to be a selfish, terrible teammate. As far as I can tell, not a great guy as, as a human. And all of these things were things that Tibbs should have at least known a little bit about. I mean, this was his guy.
2: You also just described Tom Thibodeau yeah, with everything but you just said. But
0: but there is but but if you're a bad guy and can judge character, good for you. He can't
2: judge character. This buffoon, or or, or he can, and and how ignore his character? And how about
0: the fact that the final piece in this play, if they didn't trade him on Saturday, was going to be heated exactly what the Wolves didn't have the guts to do. He was going to suspend himself, according to Johnny K. He was going to basically say, I'm sitting out, I'm going away. He was going to do what the team should have done. How ridiculous is that? You were ru- you were run by a player who is a jackass. <laughs>
2: yeah. And now it'll be interesting to see because you've got this Philadelphia team with a bunch of young players, and is he going to go in there? And that's a team that's doing pretty well without him. I mean, he makes them a lot better on paper, although there are some you know, smarter people than me have sort of diagrammed the fit is weird. You've got a couple guys who he's not, he's sort of a volume score and Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes. And, you know, are they going to have enough spacing and things like, I think they're going to figure it out. Uh, but that could either be the 76ers could have stumbled into finals appearances for three of the next five years, alternating with the Celtics, or they could have put a hand grenade in that locker room. That's going to blow up and cause them major strife.
0: March 30th, 2019, A Saturday night at Target Center when the Sixers come to town. That's what's happening. It's going to be so lit. It's going to be so fantastic. I I cannot wait. Yeah, It's 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 going to be glorious.
2: Uh, When we come back, Glenn Perkins will join the show and offer his thoughts on not only the Joe Maurer retirement and, and the end of a Twins era, but also his thoughts on the Twins going forward and what we can expect now that we have turned this page. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackey and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic
0: here. 94, uh, excuse me, 694 eastbound. We've got a crash in Fridley between East River Road and University Avenue. That's causing about a uh, five-minute delay. And also 694 westbound. We've got a crash in Oakdale uh, between Stillwater Road and 34th Street North. Near Highway 36, that's a seven-minute delay, so be on the lookout for those.
2: All right, Mackie and Judd, welcome back to the show. Uh, Glenn Glenn Perkins, I don't know if you know this, but he's also from Minnesota. He's also a baseball player from Minnesota, so he knows Joe Maurer very well. Glenn, when was the first time you ever met Joe Maurer? I met
1: Joe, uh, it would have been, um, I think, oh man... It, well, I went to the state fair with him. Uh, with his, when so his buddy Tony uh, and I played at Minnesota together, and so all of the incoming freshmen got together and we went to the fair. And Joe went with, and I don't remember if that was before or after the Lions All Star game. We were roommates at, and so it might have been. I might have met him there. Uh, I guess officially would have would have been at the Lions All Star when we when we that would have been right after our senior year of high school ended. So, sometime during that summer, I guess in two thousand one,
2: yeah. uh, has he always pretty much been the same person? He doesn't even look that much different than if I mean he's got the moppier hair when you see the press conference him him with Carl Polad and Terry Ryan.
1: Yeah, I mean other than a few grays and a, and a shaved head, I, yeah, he's he is. He's always been the same guy. I mean, and that's that's the crazy thing with the commercials and the MVPs and you know the contracts. He's, he's the exact same person and I, I mean it's it's amazing I I, just, I don't you know I think anybody no matter what they do that you know over the course of, of 15 20 years you, you change and uh, he hasn't I mean he is he is just a simple kid from from st Paul that uh, is a hell of an athlete
0: so perk when is the first time that you that you saw Joe play and and realized how special he was as a catcher and at the plate because there had to be a point there where you watched him and said this guy this guy takes it to a different echelon he's a different type of player when did that first hit you
1: well i mean at that lions all star game um you know he had gotten drafted number one and and so he was a big deal there and uh they did like we'd had like a home run derby um and and he won that and they did like some skills competition stuff and he was throwing like like rockets to second base from behind the plate and like, that was the first time, cause everybody knew who he was. That was the first time I really watched him play, um, you know, there. And then, obviously, just, you know, the first couple of years in the big leagues before I got there, I you know, I, I watched a little bit. I, I was traveling and, and coming up through the minor leagues, so I didn't get to see a ton. But then, you, then just, I mean, watching him day in and day out, and I think that the only way to, to really gauge how good he was is how easy he made it look. Mm. And knowing that it's not easy, and then when you talk to guys on other teams and they talk about how he's impossible to get out and you can't pitch to him and he's the greatest hitter they've ever seen that, you know, all those things kind of form your opinion at the same time. Um, you know, but really, I guess going way back to high school, kind of knew. And then that was the first time I really saw him do some of the things that he could do. And he wasn't, I mean, comparably, wasn't any good in 2001, you know, compared to how he was, you know, in 09 even, you know, you know, and I think everybody remembers that year, when he came back uh, from the from the whatever he had going on, and he missed a month, and he came back, and the first pitch Sidney Plumstone threw him, he hit out to left field, and yeah. uh, it's just those kind of things. It's it's those legendary players, you know, have uh, just have a way about them that they make it look easier than it really is.
0: Put it into perspective too, his uh, his his demeanor as well, because I mean, this is a guy who had the ultimate success, was a great player, and he seemingly didn't change and and athletes i'm not saying that guys like you can't be nice guys because you can be but this guy struck me as the type of guy who who didn't change a bit and success and uh financial gain didn't alter his personality at all
1: it didn't change not not one bit i mean he's he is the exact same person that that he's been the entire time and uh you know it's special that it's really special it is there's no other way to say it that that to, be, to, to accomplish all the things that he's accomplished and, and to not change one bit, to not, you know, get more guarded, to not, uh, you know, cut people out. Um, you know, his best friend, for, his the current best friend is his best friend from the time that they were like 10 years old, you know, and that's just, that's Joe. And, you know, he's, he's been the same person and he is the same person. And it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, Seeing him today and doing all that was it was really cool to see, and it just it does remind you uh, that that everybody does get old.
2: Okay, but Perk, what's the most baller thing you've ever seen him do post contract signing? Like, what's the most what's the most low key baller thing you've ever heard or seen him do?
1: You know, I mean, like he's he's picked up like food tabs and stuff like that. I guess, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, nothing nothing crazy. I mean, he really doesn't. Like, he doesn't. He hasn't bought any like cars. You know, he, he, he.
2: I mean, like, like got, Jimmy like Jimmy the, Butler got a private jet for Tyus Jones to watch a basketball game last week. He's never done anything like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: no, not that I know of. No, I mean, and it, you know what? If he did, he nobody would ever know about it. And that's and that's the thing about about him, you know. And I mean, hell, like I even saw the other day, like Alex Bregman had some YouTube thing, and he gave a five hundred dollar tip, and they made a dang video about it. Like, <laughs> it, it, Joe Joe wouldn't. He would never do anything like that. Nobody. He would never expect. Uh, you know anybody to even know what he's doing, and you know that's that's why he retired the way he did. He didn't want he didn't want to go and have people make a big deal out of him. He just wanted to, you know. If he, I'm sure somebody probably told him like, "Look, Joe, you actually have to have a press conference. Like you you can't just you can't just not play baseball next year." I think people will wonder where you are. And but that's just him. Like he he doesn't want that. He doesn't want people to know uh, or or to make a big deal out of it. It's, I mean, look at his press conference today. He never talked about himself. He talked about Two hundred people, and never really got to. And then when somebody asked him about his account, he says, "Yeah, I haven't really thought about it yet." And that's the honest guy. You're thinking, "Yeah, BS." You know, <laughs> everybody thinks about that. Everybody googles themselves or whatever. He doesn't. He's that's just not his. He's not like that. And and you know, it, it's uh, it's a very unique personality that he's got. And you know, it was it was an honor to to, to be able to play with him and, and share a uniform and a field with him.
0: So does Joe rap? That's the question. We always heard Joe. Joe loves rap, and actually, has has a room or something where Joe goes and raps. Perk, did you ever see I, Joe rap?
1: I, I think it might. May, it may be past tense. I don't think he still goes to his to his room that he does have that I have seen, um, and 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 lays down tracks or beats or whatever they are. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so I've heard it. I've heard. I haven't heard him in person, but I've heard the. I've heard the, the music, and, uh, I, I, yeah, I can confirm that. Uh, I don't remember if it's good or bad uh, or what it's even about, but um, I do know that, that it, and it might have been in a past life, that that, that was more his thing. I, I think he uh, he's, he's definitely, I, I, like I said, it, it would be more he rapped as opposed to he goes
2: and raps I might actually be more impressed. It's, it's impressive to play with one team in the free agency era of professional sports. I'm actually more impressed that he never once changed his walk-up song I don't think. I think I think the TI song was the same. Like I'm pretty sure 2004 is when... When Prince,
0: when Prince died, they, they used all Prince, and he actually yeah. stuck with it and for I a think, little while. I
1: think at the beginning of one season at Target Field, I think actually at the beginning of 2010, didn't GB Layton do a song for him, and he had it for like a game or two? And it was like, nuh-uh, we're going back. So I think, yeah, there's probably been... He played, what, 1,800 games, something like that? There's probably been... Uh, Three games or four games that it wasn't that, but yeah. again, that I mean, <laughs> that's the epitome of him. Yeah. You know, that's the epitome of Joe. Is that it's just it's the same. He, he he played that song and he probably got some hits that day and kept playing it, and then one thing leads to another, and fifteen years later, he's still got the same song going.
2: So, Glenn, what do you th- what do you think when when the voters get to speak eventually on Hall of Fame? I think if you were to just take his ten years as a catcher and then compare that across eras and to other catchers it's a no-brainer um if if it, it, in some ways if he had stopped playing after his catching days and sort of like Kirby Puckett's career ended I think it'd be a no-brainer but then people say yeah but his numbers were a little down at first base how do you think he'll be judged in that regard he's definitely borderline Hall of Fame at at I think, worst I, I would think I think
1: that I think that his I think that hit that, that Joe Maurer in Minnesota and Joe Maurer outside of Minnesota are, are perceived uh completely differently um I think the perception of him outside of the state is, is, is way higher. And I think he's, I think he has a pretty good perception here, I, but I think it's better. Out, I think it's better outside. The times that I've played with guys or on teams and the way guys would talk about him and the way media talks about him, um, you know, even just, just national guys. And, you know, I know that, that the, the one guy does those jaws rankings or whatever, and I think he's got him in. Um, what is that? And maybe Zimborski is that guy, but uh, um I think he gets in eventually. I think if he stayed a catcher, he's a first ballot, no doubt. Even if he had the same offensive uh, path those last five years or whatever it was, I think he's a first ballot guy. Um, and, and it's kind of dumb, like yeah, his his those ten years the, the the catching that he did with the batting titles and an MVP. I mean, you talk about career duration, length, and then you talk about peak, and and there was a stretch where he was uh, the the best player um, in the game, and I think you know, it it was longer than just 2009 there, that 2006 kind of through 2010, 11, um, it's hard to argue that there was, that there was a better player and, and he was doing all that hitting, he was doing all those things at a position that that's, you know, three, four times as demanding as anywhere else on the diamond. Um, you know, so I think you, you, you boost him there too. I I think he gets in eventually. I I would be, I'd be really bummed out if he didn't, I don't think it should take the full time, but I don't think he's. I don't think he gets in in five years, but I think he does get in.
0: Hey, Perker, fans here don't give heat to a lot of players, but it always seemed to me that once Joe got the contract in 2010, we always heard what 23 million per year. Did it ever surprise you that that he was seemingly able to ignore that completely? Because I mean, yeah. Human beings hear that stuff, and eventually, especially especially when you're the hometown kid. So how much did that surprise you that he could put that out of his mind consistently? Because we all heard it for a long time, and hell, we talked about it.
1: Yeah, no, he didn't care. I mean, he just, his sole focus was just to get ready for that day's game. And you hear that, you know, he does the post-game interviews or whatever, and you hear it, and you're thinking, yeah, you know what, there's no way that's true. And it really was. Like, that's like, people, I mean, obviously people want to, when they find out that I played, then they say, "Oh, well, you well, yeah." Uh, so you know Joe? Yeah, I know Joe. Okay, is he really like that? Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like I mean, that's like the first question. It is. That's how he, he does. He didn't. He just got ready for every game, and you talk to him after the game, and what do you think about this? Well, you know, we're just going to go and get ready for the next game, and that's what he did. Like it's it's crazy. He he was so consistent, and you know. I, I, just that, if, 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 I think if there's, there's guys that have so much talent that if they could have an ounce of that, that he has, there, there'd be, you know, they'd be way better baseball players. There's, there's a lot of guys I think that, that have the talent that that's where they get caught up. And he never did. He never got caught up in it. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. It's, uh, he, he is the person that, that, that we've seen. And, and, uh, you know, again, it's, 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 it's special. It's really special that, that somebody can, can be like that and, and maintain that for as long as he did it, with the spotlight. Like I said, I I, 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 it was hard for me, and it had to be a hundred times harder for him, so I can't imagine how he did it.
0: So in your time as his teammate, what is the maddest that you ever saw Joe Maurer get?
1: He'd, he'd slam some stuff behind the dugout uh, on occasion. I don't know if he ever like broke a helmet or anything, but there was a couple times that there was a room behind the dugout at the Metrodome, um, kind of like a bat, like a storage room. And, and he would go back there and but he just never did it if people were watching he always was conscious of, of the fact that people were watching him and uh, you know and there was more eyes on him than anybody else so he would go behind and, and, and you know scream a little bit get mad but he was it's still very uh, even keeled um, you know and and uh, didn't get frustrated easily those things and which is that's what you know you play for as long as he did as many games as baseball seasons are you try to maintain a level head, and, and he was better at that than anybody else.
2: Uh, Glenn Perkins with us here on Mackie Inja. Hey, before we let you go, now that the Joe Mauer era is over and you've got a, a new manager, Rocco Baldelli, coming in here, and uh, Thad and Derek have been around for a couple of years. But now now that Joe Maurer has retired, this really does feel like a completely new era of Twins baseball. So um, from what you can gather, where do you think this thing is headed? Where, where do, What do you think the current state of the franchise is in terms of how quickly they could start winning and everything you've heard behind the scenes.
1: Well, I'll say that they've, that just, just, uh, the, the guys of the minor leagues that they inherited from Terry. I mean, it, again, Terry t- t- built a really good system before he got let go. And, and you know with the cure and there there's some guys down there that are really good talents that, that, uh, have Terry's fingerprints on them. What they've done since then with the minor leagues, with, you know, obviously with Royce Lewis and, and, uh, um, you know the, the the other guys that they've drafted. They, they have a farm system and they have a bunch of high end premium guys. And now they got a ton of money to spend. They, uh, you know, I, I mean, you think about all the money that 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 went off the books, um, not only with Joe's but with Irvin and and a handful of other guys. They, they, you know, they have cash and they have a minor league system and they're smart. And that's a dangerous combination. I think uh, I, 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 you know, it's it's hard and. It's been going on for so long now, what eight nine years that, that the Twins have struggled. But um, you know, and I got some buddies in the in the that that work there that I keep saying, hey, you got to have patience, man, because at some point, you know, you're gonna start getting you're gonna start getting playoff shares and you're gonna start making some money from the playoffs. And that that yeah, I think it's coming now. I th- I, I really do. I think uh, you know they're they're starting to get more of their fingerprints on this organization, and, and now it's filtering into the coaching staff, and they've got the guy that they want. Uh, and that's going to make, I think, a big difference with some of the younger guys. And then just with with their level of intelligence, I think, and the way that they're that they're going about uh, building the organization uh, from the outside, from the inside out, um, you know, and, and then having money to spend. I, I think when you have a base of prospects and some younger guys in the big leagues, and then now you're going to give those guys money. Um, I, I think they're going to do some pretty darn good things. Nice, uh,
2: great catching up, Glenn Perkins. We'll do it again sometime this off season. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. All right. See you, Glenn. Good catching up with Glenn Perkins was a regular guest on this show for a long time, and it was good catching up with him. And uh, he was sitting front row. That front row was loaded. It was like Sid Hartman and Tom Kelly and Terry Ryan, Glenn Perkins, and Corey Kosky, Jack Morris, so all kinds of people. Let's uh, come back. We're going to get Roycey on here. Royce actually uh, at Target Center right now. I think he was talking to Tom Thibodeau. So we'll talk to Roycey at some point before the show is over, get his thoughts on the Wolves trade and Joe Maurer's retirement, but let's talk about a couple of great offers from Luther Brookdale Toyota for a moment. Highlanders and RAV4s. Right now, you can get 0% financing for 60 months on all 2018 Highlanders, and you can get customer cash on all 2018 RAV4s. Now, Toyota rarely does incentives on Highlanders specifically, so if you're thinking about an SUV, this is your chance. Again, financing, 60 months on all 2018 Highlanders. Those are still brand new vehicles, even with the 2019s coming in on the lot. And uh, customer cash on 2018 RAV4s, two of the best SUVs you're going to find on the market right now. My family and I have been going to the same place for service and for new and used vehicles on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard for a long, long time. And it's LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Tell them Mackie sent you. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN.
0: This portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Lucky's 13 Pubs,
2: five Twin Cities locations, luckys 13 pubcom Thank you, Manny, Mackie, and Judd. We'll wrap with Royce here in just a little bit. Tom Thibodeau speaking to the Assembled Media at Target Center. Royce is. He's talking to his buddy Tibbs. Man. Okay, do you buy... I'm just going to read you some quotes here. Our guy Danny Cunningham is is out there tweeting quotes from Target Center right now. He's at Real D Cunningham, as opposed to the fake D Cunninghams out there. Don't like that guy, the fake guy, the fake, the real guy. I'm a
0: big fan of right now. Yep,
2: at Real D Cunningham, he is uh, part of our part of our Wolves coverage here now. As of last week, fifteen hundred ESPN.com. Tom Thibodeau quote. We wanted quality players. That was important for us. Once we got to the point where we felt we got multiple rotation players, we moved forward. Do you buy that the Wolves were just milking and massaging the trade market until that perfect deal of Covington and Sarich and no first-round draft picks came in? I think that's what they were building to for five months.
0: I think the logical response would be, how stupid do you think we are, Tom? (laughs) How stupid? And in In fact, let's broaden the scope. How stupid do you think Glenn Taylor is? And well, you might think he's pretty stupid. Well, I mean, and you might think he's pretty stupid. But this, him selling this is just utter BS.
2: Well, this is, a, this is a quote from Adrian Wojnarowski's recent story on ESPN.com from, I think he posted this yesterday. Tom Thibodeau's big score as an executive turned out to be his undoing as a coach. Jimmy Butler's gone now, but the price to get him, appease him, and ultimately trade him could cost Tom Thibodeau everything. That feels like a more accurate quote. Of what's happening here, it wasn't Tom Thibodeau masterminding behind the scenes. It, and, and also, there's reporting in that story that Glenn Taylor basically finally said, "Enough, yes. enough of this. This is." Do you com- do you completely buy
0: that after the game in Sacramento on Friday that Tibbs decided to make that trade? Because I sure don't. No, I think Glenn called him and said, "You've got no choice now." I agree, it's done. And and I don't buy for one. I don't buy for one second. And this is the scary thing that Tom. Thibodeau, president of basketball operations and head coach of this franchise, for one second was ever in control. He was driving a runaway car, and he wasn't even smart enough to
2: realize yeah. it. Well, I mean, and and again, this is if you can you can find a link to this on 1500ESPN.com, the Woj story. It flushes out the last five or six months, and we had John Krasinski on this show kind of flushing out some of the same overlapped reporting that Tom Thibodeau ignored all warning signs, all trade demands, and just thought If I can glue this thing together, even though Jimmy Butler is a free agent at the end of the year, and Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler don't even make eye contact with each other in a sport where chemistry is fairly important, I would think, with only 12 guys in a locker room, maybe 15 if you count the inactives, that he ignored all of these things. And now here they sit, and I like Sarich and I like Covington, but... That ain't the. That's not the best possible deal you could have gotten the last five months if this but, was managed in the way that it should have been managed.
0: Right. You, di- you didn't get here through a means that made any sense. That's the problem, right? And if Tibbs had been truthful, he would have gotten up to that press conference table tonight and said, I lost the love of my life. Yeah. <laughs> On Saturday, I lost the love of my life. I've never been married. Jimmy Butler was my guy, and I lost him. And it's
2: my fault. I goofed up. I resigned. Yeah. Let's talk to uh, Royce. We're going to wrap with Royce when we come back. Plenty to get to on the Jimmy Butler and Joe Maurer fronts. Mackey and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackey and Judd are back. Please continue. On 1500 ESPN.
1: 100 and next. To left field. And deep. Welcome back. Here's a drive to left. Alex Gordon going back, and Mauer with a home run. Seven runs batted in on a five-hit night.
2: All right, Pat. Before we get to uh, Joe Mauer' thoughts and conversation, what did you learn from Tom Thibodeau speaking to the assembled media shortly?
3: Tib uh, looks a little. Tib looks a little beat up. He's a little, uh, a little worn out by all of this and the same questions. And uh, he basically said nothing. So. Uh, he's, uh, you know, doesn't know where these guys are going to fit because he hasn't got them on the court yet, and uh, and uh, this was the, uh, you know, they weren't going to make a deal until they got two rotational players. So that's that's that was his message, and he's he's sticking with it.
0: Dang it! How do you figure he's still employed, Patrick? I don't get it.
3: Twenty-two million dollars.
0: All right, but at this point, do
3: do? if you don't get that, you're. Uh, you're not as bright as I thought you
0: were, sir. I don't think. I think at this point in time, to salvage this this franchise, with the fact that he has uh, head control of basketball operations, I think you got to pay it. I think you got to pay it, bite the bullet, and go from there.
3: Uh, that's why uh, Glenn Taylor has billions, and you got uh, whatever you got. You know.
0: Well, no, I, <laughs> got, I got like five hundred bucks, go, I think, right that's now. That's
3: why you go to Dunedin on vacation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just my feeling that this has become a situation well, okay, that you can't keep going. Of
3: the next twelve, they got ten of the next twelve at home. Why don't they go nine and three? It's crisis uh, averted, and uh, you know. We we had the biggest crisis in the history of uh, Gopher football, and then they beat Purdue forty-one to ten or whatever. That was. I was there for a half before I froze my butt well, off and went I'm home. I'm saying is that it's sports; things change, you know. So you know, conclusions conclusions reached don't always uh, always uh, go the best. Wait a minute, we're just uh, we're we're having some the new Timberwolves walking in doing interviews here while
2: I'm. Oh. Uh, you want to put Dario put... Saric on the phone, Pat? <laughs>
3: I'd like to, but they looked at me like, they, I don't think they're going to let anybody talk to them until tomorrow. So, yeah. But
1: those
3: TV guys are talking.
2: They're not playing tonight for the uh, people listening, no. right? They're... No,
3: I'm here. I'm here. I, uh, yeah, they're not playing. So, And we don't know about uh, Wiggins and Teague either. Here's, uh, they're going to warm up and to see if they can play. Here's what I would do. I wouldn't let them warm up. I just tell them, if they practice today, I say, just go get them, boys. Don't warm (laughs) up and then tell me there's something wrong with you, okay? If you could practice today, you're not warming
2: up. You're playing. Do you – I don't know. Maybe it was tough to tell today, but I have been telling Judd for a couple weeks, there should be another path to Tom Thibodeau's future here. It's, okay, that Jimmy Butler thing didn't work the way that I wanted to, but all right, here's the vision for the next few years, and here's how we're going to pivot away from this. Do you sense he's – up for this long haul that might involve another lottery pick, or is he I, disinterested I, in that?
3: I don't, I don't think he is uh, right now. You mean, what do you mean to start all over again?
2: I mean, like, yeah, no, I, I, th-
3: I think. I mean, I don't think this is a terrible trade. You know, I, th- I think these guys are fine. Everybody talks about they could have had Josh Richardson, but they also wanted them to take uh, three years of garbage. You know, they wanted them to take. You know, guys that they would have owed money to for several years. The only garbage they had to take in this one is Bayless, and we've only got this year, or so so they can get away from that. That was the big. That was the thing I liked about this. They got two players, and they didn't have to take Dion Waters or Waiters or Hassan Whiteside or uh, Tyler Johnson or somebody like that. So.
2: Yeah, uh, Pat, we were we were discussing this twins era that Joe, Joe Mauer sort of bridges the contraction twins with, well, the target field twins. And then, and now yeah. the, the Derek Falvey and Thad Levine twins, he's been this, this bridge for a decade and a half or two decades. Uh, but yeah, if, if there was any wonder, is this a new twins era? Paul Molitor out, Joe Maurer out, <laughs> yeah. Terry Ryan out, and all these guys were there today, which is. They
3: all showed up today. It was really, it was <laughs> symbolic that it was like, okay, uh, this is a. I saw Molitor talking to Feldy and Levine, and I saw, you know, <laughs> McGarty talking to him, and. Uh, uh, you know, and Terry was there, and every, everybody was fine, but, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, if somebody wants to, uh, put heavy symbolism into that room today, there was a lot of it. It is the, uh, it is the new era in a lot of ways. Joe was so, good. Yeah. Huh? I, I said Joe, Joe went 17 minutes. Joe was good. the clock Joe went, yeah, but it was, it was a written out speech. Let's go with that. So. It was. Uh, I think his wife wrote it for him, but he broke, he broke his all-time record by 16 minutes and 15 seconds. You know, he won he 17 minutes. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was. Uh, you know, he was. He made sure. Isn't you know the most astounding to me thing is I went over and talked to the Tierneys, his grandparents. Yep. And uh, apparently, that's valid that they've missed like 12 games. Now, I suppose when he was on the DL, they didn't show up. But when there was a possibility Joe was going to play, they missed twelve games in fifteen years.
0: Those so poor folks saw saw a lot of awful baseball, Patrick. They did, Whoa. and uh, you know, this year,
3: uh, last couple of years, they've, they've, uh, their health is not the best. So Joe basically uh, rented them a town car to have them take them to the game and take them to their have somebody take them to the seats and drive them home, so they could still keep going to watch him play. So <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty good. So. Yeah. Anyway, they uh, yeah he was he was good today and uh, you just get the feeling though I don't know how about you Phil I get the feeling why you got three years left in you you know why what's the hurry
2: Yeah the the, so, con- the concussion stuff he seemed pretty rattled by that concussion Yeah he,
3: I guess he did I think I think he's getting a lot of pressure as a parent and you know the. How rattled, not necessarily he was, but his wife and other family members is that when he returned to catch, it wasn't for one hitter, it was for one pitch. You know, so the the, the uh, obviously the uh, the apprehension is 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 pretty dang high, and I, I guess that's the reason. But I think even with three kids running around and uh, and uh, you know the deer hunting stand and the golf course, what's he gonna do? He can't go on TV you know i mean my god well you know all the nice things that be would be have been said about him uh, since this all was taking place, would be off the boards again, and he'd have to hear about how bad he is on TV. If I was him, I would never go on TV.
2: No, and he's—it's not like he needs the money to go to go on TV. But
3: no, you know, no I, I don't think I think he wouldn't. I think I think he's going to semi disappear. You'll see him at a few charity events and stuff, but I don't think he's going to be very public at all.
2: Well, the angle that nobody really was going to talk about today certainly is okay. His contract is up. And we're we're all kind of making it seem like well he, you know he's deciding to retire and I don't know I, we had Terry Ryan on the show a little earlier and I asked Terry about these people who criticize Maurer for the things that he isn't the lack of power and mm-hmm. when you when you hear that criticism what do you think and even Terry Ryan said those criticisms are valid as a first baseman but they weren't yes. as a catcher and yes. I and I and and Falvey and Levine aren't aren't a couple of idiots you can't get away with that. Production, which is well below the average first base offensive production. So if you were to ask those guys, oh, do you want to bring him back? You know, what's his role going to be? It wasn't going to be put him out there for 140 games at first base and see what happens. So that that yeah, would have been an interesting uh, discussion.
3: I, I do believe offensively positions are more interchangeable than they used to be, too. you know. I mean, if you get a first baseman who gets on base like a shortstop used to get on base and you got a shortstop hitting home runs, you know, it's uh, – you know you got middle infielders hitting home runs now not necessarily here but uh, you know dozier hit 42 home runs so if dozier hits 42 home runs and the first baseman hits eight what are you you're you're still 10 ahead of the game right so you know i i think the i think you know, all you guys who uh, complained all those years that he should hit first turned out being right you turned out to be right i hate to admit it but you did <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a leadoff hitter he gets on base he was the second best player this year yeah, uh, You know, Rosario was the best. The rest of them were stiff. <laughs> you know, now, it wasn't because he was great, but he was... Who who did you like to see come up to the plate after Eddie Rosario this year?
2: I mean, well... Yeah, yeah. How much so time well, do we have left to should, think? It should have been a lot no of guys.
3: The, okay, I got a guy, I got runners on first and second with one out in the eighth. Who do I want out? So, No? No? Boston, I don't even know where the hell he is. Kepler? No, I want Joe Bauer. You know, he was their second best
2: player. Yeah. Something else worth noting here in our we got about a minute left with uh with Royce here. So, he I know that he he wasn't a home run power hitter, but he did hit his fair share of doubles throughout his career, most uh, more in than Twins any history. Most twin
3: in history, yeah. Yep.
2: And with runners in scoring position for his career, he batted 334 and, yeah. you know, so why the gap between that and how many RBIs he had? Well, he did hit a lot of singles with he in scoring position, yeah. but also... Left
3: field and to left field. Right. If he, if he hit those centers to right field, he, he hit singles to right field, he would have had another 100
2: RBI. Also worth noting, though, the Twins in the Ron Gardenhire era were obsessed with slap hitting, bat handling guys in front of him in that two hole that didn't get on base ever. So like Matt yeah. Tolbert would come up to the plate for two years or Nick Punto in his every other year off year and... Those guys were not getting well, on base very often. The,
3: the one thing I like to say is, I pointed out to him today: the American League has been playing baseball for 118 years, and catchers have won three batting titles, and they're all him.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. That's,
3: uh, that's pretty amazing, yeah. and we may never see another one because, you know, they don't want catchers that can hit anymore. If a catcher can hit, they're offended.
1: Yeah, we got to move, move them out. move them to yeah. first
3: base <laughs> or the outfield. Yeah,
1: yeah, yep. yes. So
3: but you hear my suggestion. Name that baby Willens and have him swing
0: at
2: the first pitch. The life. It. It'd be the
0: most uh, anti-Mauer thing of all time. Right. See you, Pat. See you, we'll see right. you tomorrow. See Bye. You.
2: <laughs> is Willins is Willens still in the in the mix for the name? The new kid. I think no it has clue. to be after this year. My question is: That poor guy going to be on the roster?
0: Well, Willens—that was the big debate. Yeah. What are they going to keep him? Are they going to keep him on the roster? This Patrick. Yeah.
2: Patrick said that if they don't... Why would they take him
0: off? Patrick said if they don't, he's going to march down to to Target Field and start a protest.
2: They're not going to take... He was their best player on the stretch. He didn't
0: have faith in him. In the front office? Yeah, in Falveen to keep him on the 40-man roster.
2: Royce was very concerned. I don't know. He can play a bunch of positions. I love him. He's jolly. Oh, he's jolly. He sells more tickets than 22 other guys on that roster. Hey, you know what? He's happy every day, and that's all I want. A guy Uh, like me likes happiness. uh, You can find all kinds of great on-demand content From our show and from uh, Raised by the Wolves, touch them all live today, 1500ESPN.com. We'll see you tomorrow.